A warm welcome to Stuart Elliott here, who's joining me on Miracle Mom Mindset. I'm so incredibly excited that you're here today. And he's going to be sharing today the lens of a father. He's the first father that's actually coming on the show. So I'm really excited to have him here. And I really believe he has a beautiful and unique perspective on parenthood. And so I'm just going to start by introducing Stuart. Uh, Stuart Elliott has been dubbed a soul whisperer and is recognized for helping people break free from the mental prisons of negative inner dialogue and self-sabotage that keep them drained of passion and dissatisfied with life. Once they do and they sweep away all the baggage that's been holding them back, they are able to connect to what their soul is trying to tell them. This gives them the space and freedom to truly start to love themselves. It's a beautiful thing to help someone do, Stuart, Stuart says, that there is no greater joy than seeing the heartfelt smile break out on a person's face as they connect to their inner greatness and express something like, wow, it feels as though I've been reborn into who I always was meant to be. Born in the UK, he's traveled extensively throughout Africa and lived there for 18 years before relocating to the south of China in 2003, which is where he currently resides with his wife and two young daughters. He's certified in both classic and new code NLP by John Grinder. is a certified is certified in Ericksonian conversational hypnotherapy and other hypnosis disciplines. He also has a keen interest in mindfulness and positive psychology, and is blessed with the intuitive gifts of truth and clarity. So I love I loved reading that about you and just getting to know you, Stuart. And I'm just so happy you're here because I think you'll be able to provide a really unique perspective and really be able to help um, other new parents, either expecting or new or seasoned parents on their uh, journey of parenting, which is both beautiful and messy. And so I know in, in connecting with you that nature is very important to you. So I'd love you to speak a little bit about that. And I'd love for you to tell us how, what has nature taught you about parenting? So maybe first start about your passion for nature and then what nature has taught you about parenting. Yeah, I don't know where it really came from. Maybe I was born with it because if you think of my name, Stuart, in the English language, it is a derivative of steward, which is keeper of the land. So maybe in a past life, if you believe in past lives and think something like that, I was, you know, something in that way. But I was lucky in a way that, my parents, um, when we were, I can't remember exactly the age, when we were five, six or seven or something like that, um, they decided to purchase a book from the evening newspaper. Um, and we lived in the UK in Manchester and it was called Day Drives in and around Manchester or something like that. So it was drives to get out into the countryside. And so every weekend we used to go out and just take one of the drives. And we found a few places which were our favorite, but we were always out there every, every weekend. So that, that was beautiful that we could go out there, have a picnic, sit there. Sometimes, well, sometimes quite often we'd have the picnic in the car because it's raining, but at least we got out to see the countryside as well. So that, that, that always reminds me, you know, it stays in my heart. And another thing that stays in my heart is we used to go to a place called Anglesey on holiday when we were very young. And um, that's a beautiful island just off the coast of Wales. And we, we rented a, a farmhouse there and we just stayed there and we were walking around in nature. We took our dog with us and we could just play around and, and just do the thing. So that was also very, very beautiful. So, you know, that connection has been sort of encouraged, as we said. 
And I've always had that passion for Africa from a young age. And in 2006, I decided to do a tour, an overland tour through Africa back to the UK. And that involved camping for six months, every single night. And we had some interesting incidents like lads coming around the tent at night, I stiff in the tent. And wow. the first time you experience that, it's a little bit scary. I mean, I took some toilet paper, put it in my ears and tried not to move because the sound was all amplified. But, you know, I, after a little while, I got used to it. And when we didn't get that, it felt like there was something missing. So there was a connection there. And I've had many, many beautiful instances, but I'll share something which seems so small, but it's so big. And it just shows you how we are and can be connected if we choose to realize it. And I think that applies to the parenting journey as well. I mean, there's an incident, uh, you know, I could share many incidents. There's an incident where I had a conversation with a wild elephant, but this other one is just so small and so beautiful that it, it, it blows your mind in a way. I was in a, um, a garden in Johannesburg. I was doing some landscaping and it was a derelict garden that, you know, been abandoned. And I was looking at just looking around to give a quotation. And they had a swimming pool there, but the swimming pool was basically empty, just a small pool of water at the bottom, but it was full of leaves and debris and it was green and everything else. But there were a lot of frogs and uh, tadpoles in there. And I noticed on the side of the pool, there was a kingfisher, just a little beautiful kingfisher. And I like birds. So I just stood there and watched it for a while. And all of a sudden it's beak went dink like this. And it's been tracking something in the sky, going like that, deliberately tracking something. So I was curious, and I looked up in the sky, and it's clear, clear, clear blue skies. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I suddenly saw a little speck in the sky hovering around. But it was hovering around in a, uh, you know, the uh, intentional way. And then I recognized that it was a hawk. And this kingfisher somehow... It was so focused on the, the um, tadpoles and looking for its meal, but somehow it recognized that that hawk was up there and it was now tracking it just to keep safe. It didn't fly away, didn't do anything, it just kept tracking it until the hawk passed on. Now, how does a little bird see something up in the sky that I, with, with, with you know, the human vision that we've got, which is quite powerful, can't you know, have, a, have a trouble seeing? And I don't think it saw it. I think it's just that feeling of being connected to the whole world, the whole of, of, of nature, un the universe uh, and everything else that is so at the forefront or it's so part of, of that bird's life. Whereas we as humans, we lose that. And we quite often lose that connection with our children because we're too involved in the nonsense that's going on in our day-to-day -day business or day-to-day -day life. And sometimes the children become part of that nonsense because they can't be challenged. You know, children are designed to teach us things, but we don't always listen or look for the lessons. And it is that connection, I think, which is very important. Yeah, absolutely, wow. Yeah, so I guess the, the, the nature is just reflecting in us the beauty of presence, right? And parenthood mm -hmm. yeah. and being yeah. in awareness and attunement with our children and being here in the now, um, being mm -hmm. aware right? Aware of our yeah. surroundings, but even aware of ourselves. And so mm -hmm. that's really, really beautiful. The reflection of nature, the, the lesson in nature and, and you reflecting it back in your parenting journey. Yeah, and, and the question comes, how often are we aware of what the child is experiencing and what the child needs? 
because we often judge it from our point of view, don't we? We just look at it without thinking of it from our point of view. And maybe we get angry, maybe we just, you know, we're not patient enough, but we don't see what is the need of the child from their point of view at that moment. And that's the thing that we, I would suggest is, is, is so important to practice. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a totally in alignment with conscious parenting, right? The conscious mm -hmm. parenting philosophy, which is really digging deeper. What's beneath the behavior? You know, the mm -hmm. behavior is, is an expression of perhaps some, an unmet need, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's, um, you know, snacks, food, um, whether that's sleep, or, or maybe that's just connection, right? Often it's connection. Yeah, and that's parent. a big, big thing. To, to coming there and being connected with your child um, to ask the questions or to recognize, like, I, I just have an example, my son, we went, we were at a cottage last, last weekend, he was swimming. And he, I could see that visibly, he was um, expressing himself in a way that he was irritated or upset or frustrated. And I, I was able to recognize it as because he was hungry, right? As mm -hmm. soon as we were able to get, like, if I had only focused on the behavior of him kind of whining or getting annoyed or feeling frustrated, mm -hmm. I would have missed the whole point, which is like, he actually just needed a snack. He just needed some food in that moment. So I was able to kind of ask him, okay, what do you need in this moment? Are you hungry? Did you need a snack? And that's when he shared that. And as soon as he had that, then he settled down, right? Um, yep. But it's in different ways that they bring this up. So I think it's a really- Well, I mean, different, different ways that they bring up. I've got this wonderful story that it's, uh, it was so funny afterwards, but at the time I felt so, embarrassed for the mother i was in another garden in johannesburg and, and she had a child a, girl, a young girl there maybe seven or eight and this child we were talking about you know some work i was going to do in the garden and this child was saying mommy 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 and she kept saying look i'm talking to the man wait 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 you know and it kept on for a little while and eventually the child got so frustrated she just reached up and grabbed hold of the mum's top and pulled it down and oh. you know exposed everything and that yeah. and i sort of found this beautiful flower over here whilst they had their little yes, conversation <laughs> and then you know if you think of it all that child wanted was to share something with its mother yeah and she was so focused on me that she saw the child as an irritation yeah. So the child had to find a way to really get her attention, and she did. And she did. If she just said, Stuart, do you mind? Yeah. If she just said, Stuart, do you mind? I just need to, to talk to my child. No problem. The child would have been satisfied instead of getting frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. And being labeled as a bad child, possibly. Yeah, it's so true. I, um, you know, we're working on uh, with my son to, to learn how to also wait, because it's hard to wait when we're having a conversation. He wants mm -hmm. to kind of right away um, jump in, right? So we're trying to teach him how yeah. to wait where we acknowledge him. So what we've started to do is we said, okay, put your hand on mommy's arm when I'm talking. Um, mm -hmm. I'll put my hand on your hand to acknowledge that I heard you. And as soon as I'm finished, I I'm going to, I'm going to like right away, I'm going to talk to you, right? I'm still practicing mm -hmm. that one. He's five and a half. So still practicing that one, but I'm noticing he's doing that. And he, he feels like we're acknowledging, like we, we see you, we, we see you there. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to come to you. We're just trying to finish our sentence here. And we're trying to teach him, right, about um, trying not to interrupt, right, when, uh, when we're having oh, a conversation. And then also, obviously, we know they, we're not going to have a big, long 20-minute conversation and ask him to hold the hand. He's five and a half. That wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, teaching him in small, small ways um, to, to learn some of those skills, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that is a very important skill. And 
you mentioned the thing of 20 minutes, even in an adult conversation, if you had to wait 20 minutes to have that acknowledgement, it would be a big problem, wouldn't exactly. it? So we, we have to find that balance. But obviously with a, a young child, they don't understand exactly. because they've not, they've not been um, exposed to that type of thinking yet. So the very fact that you've got this physical thing and then you say, okay, yeah, I've heard you. That's yeah. a really that's a really good thing. And then they can learn and then you finish, you can continue the conversation afterwards. But the child has needs and, and the, the needs are that I need attention sometimes just to yeah. be acknowledged. Or, yeah. they, or sometimes they're even listening and they want to, to join the conversation yeah, and say exactly. something, which is beautiful yeah. as well. It really is. It really is. It's it's so special being a parent. Like it's it's the the best and and also the most challenging as well because it makes you grow in different ways, but in good ways. Like it's made me. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we can, we're going to talk about your journey. I want to hear your journey of growth. Um, but I know for me personally, it's just really opened up a whole new area of my my um, consciousness and and connection within just to uh, learn and uncover and heal parts of myself on the, on the parenting journey. So I can show up for my kids so I can be there for them in the way mm -hmm. that they need me to. Um, so I would love to hear your experience. Maybe we can talk about first the, uh, the birth of your first, I don't know if it's your first child or your second child. Mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear child. the experience of your, the birth of your first child and how that was for you from the father's perspective and um, what, what you noticed in terms of what your wife, uh, went through and, and how that landed for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously something that because it, got, it, it progresses over time and if you've got that connection with, the, with your partner, then you can join them in that journey. But there was nothing that we, we should we say, consciously did. It was just a natural progression. And obviously, as the time was getting closer and closer, we were actually living in a, in a city which is away from where my wife's parents live in her, you know, her birth city. And we left it quite late to get to, to fly back. It was like a month before birth. So she had to have a medical certificate that we got to the airport. And then they took her away to, to have a, an examination, a question, because they don't want the baby appearing on the plane. But Good anyway, idea. we flew back, we got <laughs> back there. And the baby came along really at, at, the, at the, you know, in, in the time period, the doctors you know, suggested it would happen. But there was one thing that uh, they were worried about, and that was the fact that the umbilical cord was around her neck. And that, that you know, they, they were considering they'd have to give a Caesar, but we stipulated, and, and we had a relationship with the doctor, that we don't want any epidurals, anything else like that. We just want a natural childbirth as possible. And, and they went along with that. Now, the biggest challenge I had with the, the whole process was when Susan was admitted to a hospital about a day beforehand, was with her mother. And her mother was concerned, but she has this negative energy that she was implanted into Susan. So if Susan had a contraction, she was rubbing, but she was rubbing in the wrong way. She was rubbing around and around in a circle, which was like winding up a spring. And then she was going, and she was sighing and everything else. So I had to counteract that. And uh, that was not always easy. But, you know, we managed. And then we, we, when it came to the time, I felt actually so sorry for her mother because I was invited into the delivery room, but the doors were slammed on the mother's face, basically. <laughs> and I felt so sorry for her because now she's totally on her own. She, she looked like a, a, a lost little waif. Her husband had a bad cold, so he didn't want to come and complicate things. 
and you know, I was put in there. But what was interesting for me was the, the experience. I mean, Susan was taken in straight away, but I had to get dressed in this plastic bag. <laughs> I felt like it was just a rubbish, you know, put it on these rubbish bins and I had this big plastic over, over cover and then some plastic shoes, a plastic hat and everything else. And I just felt so foolish putting these things on. And I can't talk... Uh, communicate in, in the local language of Chinese, which is what they speak here in Guilin language. And, and, you know, I only speak English and I got rudimentary um, uh, Mandarin. But we managed to communicate and then I was taken into the, into the theatre and I, I stood next to Susan. And my main thought was that I need to help Susan, I need to be connected with her, but I don't want to be in the way of all the, you know, the professionals because that can be a complication. And I, you know, I'm aware of the fact that many fathers do go to pieces in the delivery room, you know, and, and, and they are viewed as a big problem by the nurses staff quite often because now they've got two patients to deal with rather than one. So I didn't want to, to become, uh, you know, a problem in that respect. But what happened was we, we were, you know, obviously Susan was going through the process and I was still there holding her hand, but I was talking to her, uh, hypnotically using suggestions and things like hypnotic suggestions and the, the most powerful was breathe yeah. because that is something that uh, quite often the women just forget to do when they're in the middle of that, that that intense pain of a contraction and quite often Susan was flopping around with her head from side to side like a stranded fish and yeah. they had the monitor on the baby's heartbeat and the baby's heartbeat rocketed to something like 250 so I just said to Susan breathe yes. and immediately she did and then the heartbeat dropped at the same time and she calmed down and then I was given her suggestions to direct the energy where it needs to go etc etc and so you know you know how to do this it's not for me to tell you you just need you know how to and where the energy needs to go that fresh new energy. so I was just giving lots and lots of hypnotic suggestions and at the same time somewhere along that process I noticed that I wasn't next to her I was looking down yeah. and I could see the nurses and, and the midwife or doctor in the different places. There was one typing on the computer here. There was this happening. I could see myself holding a hand and talking to her, but I was also re um, recognizing that, that wasn't my voice. It sounds like somebody else. And, and one of my, you know, uh, uh, hypnotherapy mentors, uh, Milton Erickson, I've never met the gentleman who's passed away by now, but I've seen lots of his videos and heard lots of his audios, and he's a very big influence on me. So it sounds, it sounds like you're channeling him. And I was having this conversation with myself whilst this person of his body was still talking to, to Susan. And it was, so, it was so surreal to do that. And I, I remember one thing I do remember was one of the nurses came up to me and said, do I want the air conditioner on? And I was like, why? And then I noticed there was perspiration all inside this plastic bag. And I oh. said to Susan, I said, you know, ask her. She's doing the work, not me. She, yeah. you, you take care of her. Don't worry about me type of thing. Yeah. So that was going on. And then, you know, it, it took longer. We had a cutoff of 9 p.m. in the evening. And when yeah. they said they were going to be, um, you know, wheeling her away for a Caesar. But they let it, because we had this peace between us, and this connection between us, they let it go on for a bit longer and then about quarter past nine or something i noticed that the head's there the head's just peering through you could just see the head yeah. and then i said that and then all the excitement intensified and the fear went and then poof 
out came yeah. the baby and uh, you know it was there but afterwards the nurses said to Susan well Susan said to me she says she wouldn't be able to do it without me but the nurses said they've never seen such a calm father in the, in the room and I said well I said to her, I wasn't there I was up there somewhere <laughs> that was a body, yeah, was a body experience you. yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was so it was, it was beautiful but one of the nice things about having a baby or what we experienced having a baby over here was there's none of this production line process yeah, yeah. the baby comes out they you know you know they, they, they stabilize it cut the umbilical cord and everything else but then you're out and you're on the streets and, and you know you've got to fend for yourself at home she says stayed in for seven days and they gave her herbal um, baths or wipe downs with it with a, you know with, with uh, herbs on they also put a herbal uh, thing on the stomach where they they, uh, they it was in the box where they, they burnt it and they put a towel over it so it can help to heal and, and everything else so there was a lot more care for the mother than seems to be apparent in the west these days and that wow. was beautiful so this and, was in um, china this was in china right yeah this is in That's china awesome. yeah. Yeah, I love hearing. And, I and love it was a traditional medicine hospital, so that's a mixture yeah, of things. That's true. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's but the other thing was we'd, we'd organized that Susan would then go into a, a, a care home for 30 days, which is quite common over here. So yeah. she then she gets 30 days where she's got total care. They get massage, they get treatment, they get herbal baths. But also the baby is, you know, looked after if, if Susan needs a break. There's none yeah. of this going home and having to cook dinner for your husband type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm allowed to come there and visit anytime I want to, and, and I can yeah. stay overnight if I want to. Yeah. So I have that time to have that interaction with the children. But the most important thing is she gets that time to recuperate and she's yeah. looked after and she gets taught, you know, the, the basics of how to look after and handle the child. The child gets taken. Sometimes it goes swimming and, and all these types of things. So there's a, there's a beautiful 30 day period like that, that, uh, you know, I think is very important, but yeah. it is missing because it seems like the, the, the Western mentality is it's a production line. You know what? We're fortunate in Canada. We have 18 months of maternity leave that we can take. Mm -hmm. Um, job protected. And, um, you know, I was really grateful to have that with my two kids. But after birth, I also was really grateful um, from a family perspective. Uh, my mm -hmm. in-laws were there to help me with the cooking mm -hmm. and and also helping me so that I could uh, recover, right? I was taking care of the baby, but they could help me with the cooking and the cleaning a little bit there, right? Um, and as well, um, you know, it still was hard. It still was hard because I didn't know many things like the breastfeeding and the healing and you're up all night and all of that. So I mm -hmm. love the idea of the center. We should have that in Canada. I would love that to I have a center so where, because... where, yeah, like where you can just recover and have those moments where somebody's oh. knowledgeable. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a father, so I've never been through it. I can only say mm -hmm. what I've seen, but it is exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's very traumatic. I mean, when um, about a couple of days after she'd had the baby, yeah. I was visiting and there was nobody else there. She said she needs to go to the toilet. So I helped her to get up. Yeah. yeah. And then she collapsed. <laughs> and then you, you realize how heavy a body is because yeah. you don't think of that before, you know. Yeah, and uh, women go the, yeah. you know, it is. And, and you need that time. But, it, you know, it's not often given. And that yeah. to me is, is, is so wrong. Yeah, I think but that's also, really hard for moms. Yeah. For yeah, moms and even just... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say it gives you the opportunity to bond in a different way with your child because you've got the space to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I really love the idea of the centers. Like I think that that should be um, a practice across if 
to just get that care for moms. I even think the first three months, like you need mm -hmm. support, you need as much support. It's a village. It's not an individual like job or even a, just mom and dad job. Like you need the help and support as a, as a woman going through birth, you know, you are birthing out an organ, right? Like it's like the placenta is being birthed out mm -hmm. as well. You're, you're birthing out a child, first of all, and then you're birthing out the placenta. Well, which takes that, a minimum. That's another things, interesting right? aspect because yes. after after the afterbirth, we were offered it yeah. because in, in, in a lot of the yeah. ancient days, it's traditional yeah. to eat it. Yeah, yeah. To cook I've, it and eat it, but we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. We said no. We don't want. Yeah. We don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> well, each to their own, right? Whichever, whatever people feel is aligned for them. Yeah. But yeah, we just like just birthing that out. That takes at least six weeks to heal that wound internally, which of you course, can't yeah. see, right? Um, so I think that it's just really important um, for even partners to know that because I think sometimes, mm -hmm. like for me, I was actually walking around the, the same day. They were surprised I was walking around because a lot of mm -hmm. the moms can't. I just, I was very fortunate that that where my second child I was able to walk around a bit. I was obviously still recovering and all of that. But um, sometimes a partner can maybe take it as, okay, she's good to go. Let's, let's jump back into yeah. things. So it's I good was, to slow it down. I was going to ask you a question on that, that, that score. You know, do you yeah. think that a lot of the partners, either through ignorance yeah. or just through, I don't really care, don't even consider what the, the partner's gone through. You just give it, it's a baby, it's gone now, you're okay. Yeah. I think it's and honestly. They expect I think you to get on life and 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 be that wife that you know I've always had type of thing. Do you think yeah. that's that's true in a lot of cases? Or yeah, I think that is true. I think that there's a lack of awareness. For first of all, I mm -hmm. think there's a lack of awareness for expecting moms on what to expect once they're on the other side. Like I, mm -hmm. that's kind of the the niche that I support and. You know, a lot of first-time moms um, are are very surprised of what the motherhood journey is on the other end. I think mm -hmm. they're prepared for some of the physical things, but spiritually, emotionally, and in other ways, they're they're not sure what to prepare, or how to prepare. So that's that can be hard too, because then how do you communicate that with your partner? Because you're not in awareness, they're not in awareness, and you're kind of learning on the on the fly, the seat of your pants, yeah. while you're trying to heal and you've got a baby and it's chaos. You're not sleeping, feeding all night, right? All of that. So. I think that there's um, things that you can do as a partnership. Uh, first is just get educated, uh, really truly understanding with people who can truly share the journey honestly mm -hmm. with you, what it's going to look like. Um, and then, you know, sit as a couple before the baby arrives um, in that understanding of, okay, let's plan. Let's not just plan for the pregnancy. I think there's a lot of focus on the pregnancy. There's not much focus after the birth. And so mm -hmm. let's plan how we can support each other as a couple. You know, mm -hmm. what are, what is like, for example, while I, while you're healing from birth, how can I be helpful to you? How are we going to, mm -hmm. you know, and if I can't, like if I'm working or I'm traveling or whatever the case is for different people, how can we outsource some help so we can mm -hmm. get the support for managing the household, giving you the time to get, get familiar with the baby um, even in terms of breastfeeding, you know, who are some contexts that you can have well, for, for that? That's a huge, that was really challenging. I know I found that very challenging. Like I, mm -hmm. I had a lot of struggles with breastfeeding and um, I found it harder than birth actually. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how can we give those supports and have those contexts in place so that when you're having a struggle, you, ha you know, have someone to reach out to? Because I think the center, like, I love this idea of the center. I think the mom needs as much support as possible, but so does a dad to be able to understand what the mom is going through so that they can support her thereafter, right? 
And I, I think that, that because the baby is looked after in the center, if you need that space, there's more yeah. time for the husband and wife to communicate because she's yeah. not so tired. She's not so That's ragged. True. That's true. And, uh, you know, th there's, a, there's a lot of uh, benefits to it. And the fact is she feels cared for. Yeah. That's the yeah. important thing. And, and quite often, I think a lot of people are so wrapped up in their day-to-day -day lives and, and yeah. the men don't understand that they think, okay, the baby's calm. That's it. Finish and claw. Yeah, yeah. Now you, you're going to be the person I, I knew before, but you've, you've put on some weight, get rid of that damn weight or whatever, you know. They don't have that sensitivity or that connection. And I think that's a big shame. Yeah, so how do you think they can build? Like, how would what would you be your advice to fathers, right, um, to support their wife going through the transition? Well, it, to understand it's very and simple and very difficult. Yeah. Step into their world. <laughs> Take that time to really get to know yeah. their partner and what's what it is they're experiencing what are their fears what are they actually going through because i've got no idea unless i unless i ask the questions i can only go from what other people have said and in the moment there's a lot happens that gets forgotten afterwards because now the joy of the baby is is, is foremost but there's a lot that happens in the moment and we don't understand that we can also get scared if we see the pain and the shock and the suffering and the and, and the fear that can can uh, especially with the first child can happen because some people they go 36 48 hours or more through the labor process before the yeah. baby even yeah. thinks it's ready to come about but it's causing a, a lot of discomfort for the mother in that way absolutely so we need to be able to step outside of our own ego shall we say yeah yeah and, and and enter the world of the the wife but if we haven't got that close relationship in the beginning and, and through the journey i mean because uh, we we moved cities now i was going to the uh, hospital with my wife for the regular checkups yeah so there was more of a connection in that way yeah. And I think that that's important, but not everybody has that opportunity to take time off work. I was lucky that I had a lot more freedom so I could yeah. do that. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, for me, maybe it's a little bit unique is I got rid of a lot of my youthful nonsense before I had my first child because I had my first child at 60. So yeah. I had time yes. to get rid of a lot of the yeah. nonsense. And, yeah. and that's also beneficial. But if we just step outside of ourselves, and, and, and find a way to enter into the world of the mother. I think that's a very, very key thing. Get involved in the, you know, in, I mean, there's a lot of places that give you pre-birth pre training about how, you know, what's going to happen, how to look after the child. The parent, the, both parents should go to that. So they start to get, to get that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, my husband and I remember we took people. that. We took that. We went to prenatal training. But mm -hmm. again, it was very focused on the birth. Very yeah. focused. And maybe the first, like, First, a little bit after the birth, but primarily on the birth. Um, and so, but it was good that he we did that together and he came to some yeah. of the events and things but like you, that. It needs to go further, doesn't it? It needs to go on yeah. to how to live your daily life with this new charge. This is it. The, the specifics around... the stresses and okay, this is that you don't have time for each other. You're not going to be sleeping, you know, yeah. all of those things. So how can you take care of each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the mom will need more care as she's recovering uh, after mm -hmm. having the baby. I, I think like when I think about um, husbands preparing, I also think that it comes down to just, like you said, asking, simply asking, mm -hmm. you know, I've been at work all day. 
how can I be of service to you? How can I help you in this moment? What do you need in this moment? It can no, be as simple as that. Because you don't see that. what she's been through during the day. Yes, exactly. Tell me about your day. What does that look like, right? And and I think for the sleep is a big part of mental health, is a big part mm -hmm. of like recovery. Yeah. And, you know, when you're feeding, you're cluster feeding like the first 24 to 48 hours, you're cluster feeding the babies on you like 24 seven to cry, mm -hmm. try and get the milk to come in. And then once the baby's um, now breastfeeding, then you're up, right? Every hour, every two hours. And so I think it's also really important for there to be a plan around sleep. Like, okay, if of you're going to be up all night, then is, what is the coverage? Gonna, can you give me some coverage in the morning or maybe in the evening so I can get some sleep? Because I know I was mm -hmm. very sleep deprived for a very long time. And, you know, handling, yeah. handling the nights, handling the days, and it was a lot, and um, it, it was exhausting. And then, you know, yeah, at the same time, you want to you be You don't well. get that break. You don't get the, the break. the husband, he goes to work. Yes. It's like an escape. Exactly, yeah. He might be tired, yes, but it's yes. an escape from this, that, but you've got it all the time, because you're, all day you're with it and everything else, yeah. and you don't get that opportunity, and that, that's why... This, um, this nursing home was a brilliant idea. And then obviously his family and everything else, but you get that time to have a break. Yes, absolutely. And you it's get key. that special attention that you need. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and if you don't have family and you don't have other supports, it's really important that you get that time. And I mean, the more unified you can be with your partner to be on mm -hmm. the same page as well. Uh, it's really, really helpful to just prepare, like even for the sleep part, I think if we had a conversation around, hey, you know, if, if the sleep's going to be challenging, can we come up with some sort of plan, you know, that you're handling mornings or evenings, and then I'm if I'm handling the nights, because you'll be at work and things like that, let's come up with a schedule or on the weekend, maybe I can recover somewhere in there where I can sleep mm -hmm. a bit in the daytime while you take care of the baby, or restful breaks between feeds or something like that, right. So I think it's, it's helpful to like you said, prepare have some plan. Um, and then I yeah. think it also comes down to um, the pieces around I think fathers can feel left out. Like I, I heard that oh, from yeah. my husband too. Like they feel left out because the mom's breastfeeding. There isn't now any time in the initial stages. It's it's you're just kind of a little bit in the survival mode, right? You're you're learning about the baby. You're healing. You're trying to figure out feeding. The 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 feeds are very regular, ten to twelve feeds a day, right? Um, and the husband can feel like, oh, I'm not getting the attention and the time, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say to a, a dad that's experiencing those feelings? What what would you say to a dad in that situation? Well, one of the things that we, we moved into was um, Susan pumped the milk and put it in milk bags and we kept it in the fridge. So I could take the child and have the milk ready to do it. And she could, you know, when she needed to, she could just pump the milk and she can get some rest. So that involves the, the father because they don't feel left out because they have that bond. I think one of the challenges is that the wife's mother, if they're involved very close, they take the child away from the father. Mm. And that makes you feel very upset and, and excluded because they don't think you know how to look after the child. Yeah. yeah. You never get that opportunity. And after all, it is your baby. But yes. in a lot of families, the, the grandparents think it's their child, their offspring. So there is this unconscious exclusion yeah. which enters. And that's got to be addressed. It's definitely got to be 
I would suggest it's got to be explored or exposed at the beginning before the birth of the child. It's something we've got to see how we can handle it. And it depends on, obviously, uh, the cultural backgrounds and a lot of other things there. But there, there's got to be these, these open discussions and think and, and then understand that there's going to be situations that arise that we've never even thought about. Absolutely. The we've flexibility, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if we, if we get too much trapped in ourselves that becomes a big, big challenge. And, and, and I think another thing which is, is very prevalent on both parents' minds is the, the notion of, um, what's the word for it? I can't think of the word, but you know, the, the, the first period is, is something, you know, it, it's um, more of a risk for the child to pass away in its sleep or something like that. To yes, happen. yeah. So yeah. you can be too attentive and, and, and on edge the whole time. It can make you very, very nervous. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't explore that beforehand, that can be a big challenge because you get even more afraid. Well, and your senses go. So as a mom, biologically, all your senses get heightened. So mm -hmm. I remember when I first had both my kids, I would, I'd go up to them closely and be like, are you breathing? You know, because are, are you okay? Are you breathing? Are you right? And that would just be like this natural instinct that would come up or I would notice certain sounds or certain things, or if the baby would mm -hmm. cry, my body would actually have a biological reaction to that. Um, my husband would be like, no, I don't hear anything. I don't hear the baby or I don't hear anything. I'm like, I know I hear them. And um, I would automatically kind of get up. So yeah, I think that um, the dynamics of how things change after birth are huge. And I think a lot of people are just aren't, aren't aware of it to even have the conversation. Like yeah. when you talked about like in-laws and family dynamics and even dynamics with friends and close people in your life, mm -hmm. you don't anticipate the major changes, right? Of what that's yeah. going to look like and the roles you're going to take and, and even having the conversation around what's your notion of parenting? What's the mother's role? Mm -hmm. What's the father's role? Um, because it can be often rooted in different cultures. Like if you're different cultures or different backgrounds, you yeah. have different upbringings, you have different ways of doing things. So how can you come together uh, to support each other and what you both want in the journey? And so as much awareness as we can get up front. So that's why we're doing this podcast. So we can give ideas of what to think about because there's so many things that we, like I know as a first time parent, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. Uh, and then I really like what you talked about, the fact of being open and flexible. And I think parenting, it teaches you how to be flexible and how to be dynamic and agile, because there's always things that are changing and shifting. And so I think you need, need to be closely connected with your partner to be able to communicate those things. And at the same time, have like expectations that at the early parenting stage, things are going to be chaotic with the no sleep and the breastfeeding and all that stuff that, you know, you you may not have as much time you won't I shouldn't say you may not you won't have as much time to communicate or have the same level of energy that you did before the baby was there so um, you know carving out even uh, five minutes or ten minutes to connect with your partner um, to to tune in and things like that um, even on the early days like do that spend the time even if it's 15 minutes whatever it is spend the time to connect with your partner even sitting with your partner next to them while they're feeding just being there as an emotional support is huge, right? You don't yeah, sometimes have just to say something you can be there. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the mother needs, has, has her own needs. Sometimes she needs her space. So you just come up and you take the baby and say, look, you go and do what you need to do. If you need to rest, whatever, I'll look after the baby. You don't worry. And, and yeah. you make those plans that you can do that. And 
you know, one thing we haven't mentioned is nappy changing. Yes, <laughs> not yes. yes. How, many, how many got like hundreds of diapers? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, how, I, yeah, that's a, that's a dads can definitely help there. Um, because it's a big thing. So many it is a big it. thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I took on that without any problems. And another yeah. thing that, I, you know, I'd like to introduce here is babies by all around are seen as a new toy. And everybody wants to pick them up. Yeah. And I don't think personally, I don't think that's very fair on the child because it's being manhandled like a little doll and passed from person to person to person. And we had that, you know, in place that, that okay, it's not gonna be like that. The child is a few people, but, but it's not like, okay, oh, oh, how beautiful can I pick her up? Well, they don't even ask, they just pick it up. And then, you know, the child starts crying because it's been disturbed, it was resting or it's been scared and things like that. That is, is something that happens a lot amongst friends amongst family etc etc and over here we've got this uh, tradition where the 100 day party yeah which oh, is yes, basically just that, over yeah. three months and then yeah. it's the you know the naming party and, and everything else but we, we we had one for you know for our first child bella and everybody who came oh they want to pick up the child and we said no yeah you imagine there's 200 people there wow. what the child's going to go yeah. through being manhandled yeah. between all these people no, it's not fair on her. I said, look, she's in the pram there. We're here. You can say hello and, 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 and shake her hand yeah. and, and all the things. But, you know, it's not fair on her to be passed around from person to person. It's not past the parcel. It's it, a lot of them didn't appreciate that. But, I, you know, I was thinking from the child's point of view, if I was that child, I would hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot for, like, I can only imagine you're coming out into the world. It's already scary enough coming out from mommy's tummy mm -hmm. right into the world. And then if you have to face all these different people that you don't know, like I know um, for my babies, they wanted to be close to me because they've been in my tummy for nine months. Yeah, like I was their safe space. And then of course they're building connection bond with dad and, and grandparents mm -hmm. and things like that. But initially, like I know when my husband would try to take the baby, the baby would cry like incessantly yeah. because they just wanted to be with mom because that was yeah. what they're, they're new, they know, right? So I think it's really important at every stage when they're little to ongoing to tune into the child and what's comfortable for them and not forcing them as well. Um, You've got to, to respect to, the child. Yes, exactly. Respecting their own needs, right? And and mm -hmm. when they can't speak, you have to tune in to see what you think is best. Now, yeah. I, I'm very understanding of different cultures and, and perspectives. And I think it's tuning in with your partner and coming together to understand their culture and perspective and see what works mm -hmm. for the both of you because it's very unique. And so, you know, another couple might be completely fine with that and they feel that it's comfortable for them and their child and another couple mm -hmm. might not want to. I think what I've learned in parenting is that do what works no for you. Thing. Do what yeah. works for you and your family yeah. because there's, you're going to get all these different advices and all these different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what feels right to you? Tune into yourself. What feels mm -hmm. right for you? You know your child best. Your child is bonded to you already. Um, and what feels right? What, what do you think is best for your child? Don't, don't ignore that intuition and don't ignore that inner voice to guide you no. um, because it's very powerful. The child has to guide you, doesn't it, really? I mean, you have that, especially the mother, but you know, yeah. often, often the father, you have that energetic connection to them. Yeah, oh, because absolutely. Because they're part of you and they've been, especially yeah. the mother more, they've been communicating with you for yeah. all that time in yeah. the room. So I could you just need tell. To listen to that. You don't. You can't switch it off. It's, no. it, and some people try to, don't they? 
Well, I think that what happens is like when you become a mom, it's like you step into this great um, space of love, which you've never felt before. And then your ego goes a bit crazy, right? It's like, oh mm -hmm. my God, self-doubt kicks in. You've got this um, feeling of I'm yeah. I'm not worthy. Like I don't know anything because you you really feel like you're out of a fish out of water. Like you're just learning mm -hmm. everything. I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my gosh, uh, this person over here is saying to do this. I'm comparing now. What's the right thing to do? My mother-in-law might have a way of doing it. My mom might have a way of doing it. Okay, stop. <laughs> Take a moment to pause. Your baby's been connected to you for nine months in womb. Um, you are connected emotionally, spiritually in every way, and you'll be able to pick up the cues. Um, that's, I, I mean, I found my kids could tell me what exactly what they needed, even when they weren't speaking, I could just tell what they needed, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think for moms, it's understanding that that's part of the process. When you expand into anything that's great love, your ego will go, your inner critic, which is your ego, will speak loud, that's normal, but that's not the ultimate voice that you want to listen to because that's the voice that's going to cause you great distress and, and anxiety because you're going to be separated from who you truly are within. And so I think that loving and caring for the baby is very important, but also loving and caring for yourself is really important too. And that's the part that often gets missed. And that also um, silences your inner voice. It mutes your inner voice when you're not taking care of yourself at all. And so, yeah, for new moms, I would just say, like, trust yourself, trust your mother's instinct. You do know what's best for your baby. Even when you think you don't know what's going on, you, you actually do have an intuitive guide within yourself that this, this knowing of what's best for your child and often you, you won't be off the mark. And I think here in Canada, I see doctors are saying like, oh, okay, we trust mothers. If the mother's saying something's off, even the father, so that you feel something's off, yeah, we're going to take that into account because even if mm -hmm. we don't see something, just don't hesitate, bring the child in. You know, if they're sick and you're seeing something or something doesn't feel right, like don't hesitate. Um, and I think that's just in general for parenting, like don't hesitate, follow. There's something yeah, in you. And I think another complication, especially for a, a newly born baby, is that the mother's going through a lot of physical changes, hormonal changes Absolutely. and emotional changes at the same time. So yeah. she's going to have this whole world of confusion. And then yeah. the, she's got this precious baby to care for that she's, she's so concerned about which is going to add to the strain on her so she needs that support system in place and the understanding that all these things and there's nothing wrong with exactly. anybody it's just you know we've got to come to terms with this whole new life yeah not just the life of the baby but the life of the mother the life of the father the life of the family because it is a change it's a massive massive change it's huge. We've got to step outside of that. We can't, you know, okay, it's happened, throw the switch, we're going back to what we were doing before. You know, it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. It's just you're fundamentally, you are fundamentally changed from having a baby. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to see things the same way. Like, for me, once I had the babies, like, my priorities changed, the way I saw things where, you know, my understanding, my compassion for other moms, compassion for my own mom, um, you know, just that, that um, understanding for children and all of that comes. And I think that moms just need to know that you don't need to figure it out overnight. Give yourself that grace. Like it is an mm -hmm. identity shift and change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's things that you're going to be grieving your old life. That's normal. Like, you know, sleep mm -hmm. and certain things of freedom that you had to just pick yeah. up and go. That's normal. Your hormones, like you said, your emotions, all these things are coming up. And 
allow yourself the period to go through this massive change in your life. Like, you know, in organizations, like I worked in HR for 20 years, we prepare for these massive changes internally. Um, and we have all these things and ways to prepare plans. And then I think about this major transition from motherhood and parenting. It's like very it minimal. Does it? The preparation. Preparation does it not, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, you can't learn that in a book. Nobody, nobody will be able to tell you what to do really. No. And yeah, I understand like there's things that you've got to learn once you're a parent, but I do still think there are things that you can do to um, emotionally, spiritually prepare for parenthood. And, yeah, because, yeah, it's that preparation and understanding that these things can happen and other things will happen. And I think one of the biggest, biggest things that a lot of people don't say, uh, recognize is the baby is your biggest teacher. Oh, 100%. Respect that lesson, listen to her or him and just work with what they're telling you. Yeah. But not many people don't. I mean, you know, the ego comes in, especially with fathers. I'm the boss. I know better. Da, 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 da. They're not listening. They're not taking those lessons from the child. Yes. And that can be a big challenge. Yeah. And then you see that there's a lot of friction that happens, right? Mm -hmm. As a child grows up, um, when, the, when the ego gets into place, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really our children come to heal, transform and expand us. And I know for me as a mom, like I had to do a lot of deep inner work to clear the, even the conditioning that I had from childhood to show up for as a conscious parent that I want to be today, um, to mm -hmm. even like, for example, hold space for feelings, you know, that wasn't yeah, a big I mean, thing for parents back in our day. It wasn't a big no, thing, that, right? It. And, and but no that, that is a lesson that you've taken on unconsciously exactly. and you don't realize it. And, and you have to start becoming conscious of these, like this unconscious programming, if you like. Exactly. So then you can step out of it and create something, you know, should we say more beneficial for the child? Exactly. If you clear, like, I kind of like what you said with your, I actually really love what you said with your soul whisper introduction that I read was breaking free from the mental prisons, right? Um, mm -hmm. really taking away, sweeping away all that baggage within. And, mm -hmm. and then once you sweep that away, then you aren't, let's say, projecting onto the child, your, your conditioning of, you're actually able to truly see the child and truly mm -hmm. see the situation and say, okay, let's tune into the child. Let's tune into myself, anchored in myself. And let's see the best way forward for this. You're able to be more self-aware, right? You're able to step yeah, back. That, that awareness is a big thing because yeah. if you're not aware, you don't see how maybe this this past program is sneaked in again. <laughs> it is there. And it, and it and does, it, right? In different ways, it does. It does like does, the yeah. triggers can still come up on things that you don't expect. But, but that's the thing to be is, is not yeah. to get angry with yourself then. Yeah. It's just that, okay, it's happened. Yeah. I'm grateful that I am aware of it because now there's no judgment. And then I, I know, okay, to keep an eye out for it so I can, I can change it. So a lot of people, they start castigating themselves. They start judging themselves. And that's a big challenge because yes. that, that causes all the negative emotions. And th there's always going to be something it's hidden away somewhere. It's going to sneak up. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we have those moments we get lost in the emotion yeah. and, yeah. okay that's fine it's happened i can't change what's happened but let me move forward and start recognizing the signs and and so it doesn't keep happening that way so the, there's a lot we can do with this this word awareness which i think a lot of people don't really understand yeah yeah absolutely i and i, th I think you what you talked about was important is that we're human we're gonna mm -hmm. mess up we're not gonna get it right yeah. like out of the gate like there's gonna be things that we don't get like 100% mm -hmm. right we're not we're not perfection like no one's perfect mm -hmm. 
And so allowing yourself the self-compassion, I think self-compassion is a big one. As mm -hmm. you, let's say, you're going to take a misstep, you're not going to do things completely right. Okay, let me sit in awareness and self-compassion. I was doing the best I knew how in that moment. How can mm -hmm. I now step forward in a different way? What is beneath that? What what is what was there that's present for me to learn and see? Mm -hmm. And now how can I step forward and do it differently? And how can mm -hmm. I repair? Like for kids, there, there might be times where you need to then go back and repair and apologize, for example, right? Yeah, so you didn't I think react it, in, the, in the way you needed to. Yeah, I think one thing that we, we can do and, and we have to find a way to keep reinforcing this lesson is we need to let them know that we are not perfect. That's right. Yeah. And we make mistakes. Yeah. But it's not the mistake, it's how we react after the mistake that's important because that's a big, big lesson that they can take on board for themselves. And I'll give you a good example of that. There's, um, my, my eldest, she loves drawing. And she, you know, she was drawing, sat there one day, they came home from kindergarten. I've got one sister, sorry, one sister. She's got a sister, so I've got two children. One's four and a half, the other six. But they came, I brought them home from kindergarten. My wife was at work and I was preparing food and my elders were sat there drawing and all of a sudden there's all commotion going on and you know, a big fight going. So I came over to find out what's going on. And what had happened was, my eldest sister Bella had drawn this three-tier cake and she was coloring it in and uh, you know, she was using the green pen and her, and her sister had knocked her arm. So there's a line coming out the side of the, the, the thing. So they were, you know, really upset. Bella's upset, the drawing's ruined, et cetera, et cetera. So I just said to her, so that's interesting. I wonder how you can make it into a strawberry. And she's, you know, the whole thing again. So. I, I just took a piece of paper and, and, and drew a very, very crude strawberry in pencil and walked away. Yeah. I calmed them down, obviously, first. And then about five minutes later, daddy, 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 you know, so I came over and there's the cake with two strawberries, one either side, and it didn't look as though nothing was planned. It looked like it was planned all along. It was so beautiful that she'd taken that lesson on. And then, you know, to make it even more beautiful was... Uh, a couple of weeks later, because they go to painting school afterwards, her mother brought them home when I was cooking food. And um, she came home so excited. Daddy, daddy, look at this, look at this. And she wasn't showing me the picture. She was showing me the mistake she made and explaining how she'd fixed it. Oh, that's That was the only thing that was important yeah. to her. Yeah. And, and that, that tells you that... I could have, you know, in that moment, I could have said, well, this is how you draw a strawberry and then do it this and done it for her. But I just left it with her, took the emotion out of it, left it with her so she could build that creativity herself and take that lesson on. And that in itself is a lesson for me about how to communicate and how we can share the fact that mistakes are opportunities. And we make mistakes, but they, we, we can grow from them and we can show how we grow from them that equips them in later life as well. I, I love that example because I think um, making mistakes is human, right? Being well, imperfect that's, that's is being a human that's being. It's being a human being. And so the fact that she's comfortable to showcase her mistakes is great because mm -hmm. that's going to be the biggest point of like resilience and connection yeah. even with you later on to say, hey, dad, you know, this, this went well or this didn't go as well. Look at this, mm -hmm. right? Or how can we make this how can we take this as an opportunity, like you said, to learn and grow mm -hmm. and learn from our mistakes, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that. I, that to me um, feels very like very much like conscious parenting. Uh, I'll say I take back. It's a, it's a coin. It's a term. You may not call it that, but it sounds like conscious parenting to me, which is around um, owning our own reaction. Like that could have gone very different, right? Mm-hmm. You could have got into, okay, guys, you know, you guys need to be friends. And like the conflict could have got bigger depending on how you went over and dealt with it. You are anchored in your own calm. Mm-hmm. right? So that you are able to go over with a very calm and loving spirit and see the opportunity to draw the strawberry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where that directed that whole, whole situation and that whole energy. Uh, so I really love that example. And I think, uh, you know, that's something I'll be uh, writing down as an example and something that I take away. So thank you so yeah, much. I, mean, I think, I think one of the things we have to take on board is that we're not instructors. It's not for us to tell how to do things we're a guide yeah and when once we start guiding we give power to the children for instance you know when a child starts to 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 write or draw or whatever they pick up the pen many parents many schools and many kindergartens tell them exactly how they must hold that pen yeah no you don't hold it like that you hold it like this why not let the child experiment and then say okay we'll try it this way yeah how does see that if it feel helps for you, you, right? How yeah. does that feel for you? Yeah, because you're giving them that empowerment yeah. and, and you're not clamping down because we've all got different ways we like to hold the pens. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that's just one example. I mean, another example of different ways of doing things is my youngest daughter. In September last year, when she went to went back to kindergarten, there was a basketball competition. And when I say competition, it's not the game. It's more bouncing the ball and doing a little bit of a dance routine that they have. And we got her a basketball. And she, 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 she really loves it. She's just bouncing, 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 bouncing. And within about 20 minutes of having the ball one night, she came home, 100 consecutive bounces. And she's so focused on it. And then one night she's bouncing away there and I noticed she's got no shoes on. It was the middle of winter. So I said, oh, put your shoes on. Now, in my mind, I would have sat down, stopped the ball, sat down and put my shoes on and carried on. Yeah. Sophie, no, 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 no. She's bouncing. Yeah. And she just bends down, puts one shoe on, keeps <laughs> bouncing, bends down, puts the other shoe on, keeps bouncing. She didn't stop. She didn't break stride. And then later, she, she had a runny nose. So I said, go get a tissue and blow your nose. And, and she's four and a half. Right? Yeah. No, she, was, she was nearly four at the time. So she's four and a half yeah. now. So, you know, she's, she's doing this. She goes over to the counter. She's still bouncing the basketball. She gets the tissue from the box. But it, it's stuck and the box fell on the floor. So she keeps bouncing. She bends down, picks it up, puts it back on the side, gets the tissue, blows her nose with one hand, goes over to the rubbish bin, throws it <laughs> in. She didn't break stride once. And, you know, I should have said, no, put the ball, you know, I could have said, not should have said, I could have said, put the ball down and sit down and put your shoes on. I'll put the ball down, get a tissue. But I just watched. And it was a beautiful, beautiful lesson to me about how people can do things and maybe do things so efficiently, but so differently from you. And not only that, but it's also a learning moment in her life that she hasn't noticed yet. But I can keep that. And I can reflect it back to her when she starts struggling. And, and, and I can say, look, this is, remember how you just did this. You didn't know you could, but you just decided you could. So these moments we can collect and we can use them to reflect back to help people get through difficulties that they have later in life. And it could be 10 years time, 20 years time, who knows? 
But we, we, we forget these things, just like we forget how difficult it was to learn to walk. Yeah. But we never stopped. We just yeah. did it because we knew we could. We keep falling, massive, right? We keep falling. Yeah. We keep getting yeah. up. But yeah. it's a massive lesson that yeah. most people just dismiss. So yeah. as a parent, if you're open and aware and you're involved, you see these things and you can collect these memories and then you can use them when the, the going gets tough to remind how they've got through these things in the past and how she didn't even think about she couldn't do this. She just did it. I could do it. I could put my shoes on one-handed, bounce yeah. in the ball. I could blow my nose one-handed, bounce in the ball. It's not a problem. I love what you said, open, aware, and involved. Parents just yeah. say open, aware, and involved. And I love that you're such a conscious dad. You're such an aware dad that you'll be able to replay back to her in the times where she needs courage or she mm -hmm. needs reminders of her inner greatness, mm -hmm. of the things that she was able to do, right? In her own way, in her own light. Because I think that's really a special message to share is that our kids come into the world with their own mission, their own way of being. And mm -hmm. we're there to hold that space for them. Like you said, be a guide, right? Hold that space yep. for them to shine in the way that they're meant to shine. Um, in their own truth, in their own way, in their own expression. And, you know, many, many schools and many, um, many parents will think that their job is, like you said, to, to teach, to show. And of course, as, as first-time parents or as parents in general, we are their first teachers or guides. We are there to show them and guide them. Mm -hmm. But what, what I love that you said is not restricting them, right? To the, that there's mm -hmm. just one way of doing them, allowing them mm -hmm. that space to show another way, another option that, like, I know my son, we were coloring the other day and he was saying, mom, what should I draw? And I said to him, close your eyes, tune into your heart. What is your heart telling you to draw, right? What do you feel is, is joyful to draw? And then he just started drawing, right? So it's like, it's, it's directing them to tune into their own self of what feels connected or joyful. Like your daughter dribbling, that felt really, joyful for her to keep dribbling right to keep bouncing the ball um, while she was doing other things and, and actually quite talented who knows she might be a future olympic uh, well, olympic yeah, basketball she, but yeah that's quite talented knows, that she's able to do that she's connected there and, and yeah. she's got this skill who, who am i to say no exactly. i can learn so much from that yeah. And, yeah. and another example that is not with me but a friend of mine when she was maybe 15 or 16 i can't remember the exact age but she was at school and she was having an art class and she was drawing this uh, pencil outline face, you know, the, the shading and everything else. And, and the teacher came up to her and he stood watching her and he said, you know, in theory, you shouldn't be able to draw like that because he'd been taught this way. And if he wasn't such an open teacher, he would have said, no, you, you can't do it. You must do it this way. But he said, no. And he just watched and he, he, he learned from her how, you know, she was expressing or her own skills in her own way. And he was able to guide her and, and help her more. But he didn't say, no, you can't do that. You must do this first. Then you must do that. He just, you know, took on board the lessons she was giving him. And that is the key. The children, if we are open, we get outside of ourselves. They will show us the way to be the parent that they need. Oh, I love that being open so that they you can they can show us the parent that they need us to be that is so beautiful um and that's such a great um great way to look at parenting right is allowing the child to guide us and what they need us to show up in 
Because it's that, their life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's a new way of parenting, right? I don't think that the parent that parenting style was there when my parents grew up and no fault to them. I mean, no, no fault to anyone. No, because that was the way society the best, was. I mean, the best. Yeah, if you exactly. think back into Victorian times in England, yeah. girls yeah. Were, were pigeonholed into this yeah. position. Yeah. And that was all they, they could expect out of life and they should be grateful for it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, society's changed. We've become more open, but we as individuals still have to have that journey to go on. And I think, just by recognizing that and having those discussions and seeing how we can and what challenges we're going to face and be aware again of ourselves. Okay, I told you to put your shoes on, put the ball down, put your shoes on. That's what would, would happen in a lot of situations. But being aware, just, just as you're about to say that, say, okay, well, let me just see what's yeah. going to happen, how she's going to handle this or how he's going to handle this. And then how I can guide if it doesn't quite go the way but it's not got to be the rigid doctrine that i've thought out because that's the way i would do it yeah. i'm not them and they're not me i love that space that you you're giving her to do it her own way right because i think then that also gets her to critically think like that's developing like mm -hmm. problem solving skills or ability to think on her own on her own two feet right mm -hmm. so i really love that example i think it's a beautiful example to share so thank you for sharing that with us and I just oh, want to be I mindful of time. Her, I her. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> yes, well, absolutely. And now you're getting to share with us. So we're, we're grateful yeah. to the both of you. Um, but I just want to be mindful of time. So I have, I'm going to wrap up our, our podcast interview with a couple more questions. Um, mm -hmm. the, the last question is, is there anything else that you would want to share that we may not have shared that you think is important um, for a parent, either a first-time parent or somebody that's on the journey of parenthood that you feel is important to share that we may not have covered? I think that, you know, the, the big thing is that you're not alone and to seek out yeah. people who you can trust to share with you and be open, not to try and shut you down. And sometimes your family can shut you down because they've got their own uh, baggage to, to deal with. So we need to find that, that support base. And I think that's, that's very, very critical. And, and find people who are not judgmental. Yeah, that are open to, mm -hmm. to honoring the way that you also want to parent. Yeah, the way that you want because to there's it. no right or wrong way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And can you tell us a little bit about how you support people on their journey and where we can find you? Well, a, a lot of it is, is how we've been discussing things here. And you know, I think the important thing is to have that connection with somebody and listen to them and step into their world so we can understand where they're coming from. So that's my key is, is that's why people call me a soul whisperer. People say, you're talking to my soul because I'm hearing them. And most people don't hear people in that way. And uh, you know, once you, you've got that connection, it's quite easy to explore the challenges and things like that. Sometimes you don't even need to know where they come from. You can just get rid of them because we've become aware of what's happening. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens and someone just says, oh, I feel like a new person. What happened? You know, that type of thing. And, and they got this smile from the heart. And that's, that's, that's why I do it, because it's just such a rewarding thing. And the easiest thing to do is to reach out to me on my email or on LinkedIn. I mean, my email is Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at spg.bz. And BZ is the English version of 
BZ in America. Some people yeah. get confused. No, we said Z, Z. Yeah, we said Z here too. And maybe I don't know. Maybe we're following the British. We've got a little bit of a. Well, I mean, the Britain. You know, it, yeah. it's got more British influence than America. America it does. When yeah. they got independence, they they did deliberately change the language a lot to distance themselves from the British, because they didn't yeah. like it. But you know, uh, I'm sure you're going to put the links in. Um, I don't have Facebook in. or anything like that because yeah. of my location. Um, they're all banned here. And to be yeah. open with you, I don't miss Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're on LinkedIn and we'll we'll yeah. definitely include your um, contact in the show notes and, and all of that. Yeah. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for just being so open to sharing your beautiful journey of parenthood. I know it's an ongoing journey as we're going yeah. and, and witnessing these beautiful beings um, develop into the yeah. light that they're here to be. And I, I just loved hearing the father's perspective and hearing mm. you speak about the journey and, and how we can just be more aware, uh, open, aware, and involved to support yeah. the journey. And, and I would add one more word, which I, you know, I, I, it's part of my life, uh, not, not yeah. my, my thing, but curiosity. Yes, I love that word. That's a very, very powerful thing to approach any, any challenge from and be curious and just give that space to explore because that allows you to, to, to grow as a person as well. I love that word, being curious, right? Being the curiosity, yeah. in, encouraging the curiosity um, for parents and even for their children, right? Because I know oh, my yeah, kids are everybody. very curious. And, and, and the yeah. parents' parents, the in-laws. Yes, exactly. Yes, everybody. <laughs> We're all where I mean, they're all coming from. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Understanding with the lens of compassion that everyone mm -hmm. comes and has also been raised differently and how they may yeah. see things will come different in different ways. And so... Um, it's it's really great to be so inclusive, like you said, and curious as to where that approach might be coming from and how we can come together as a family unit. So thank you so much, Stuart. I appreciate so much your time and so all your shares. And uh, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And we wish you a beautiful uh, day, evening or night, wherever you're listening from. And mm -hmm. thanks so much. It's been a great, great time together, Stuart. It's Take care. It's been an honor. And, you know, you keep doing the good work you do and helping people to have better relationships with their children, because I think that's very, very special. So, Thank you so much. My hat off to you for that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Stuart. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Take care. Okay. Bye now. Bye.